Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hell is up, Pelicans fans. This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans, and I'm your host, Elliot Clough. We got a ton on our slate today, so you do not want to miss out on this week's episode of Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. If you missed this Monday's bonus episode with Chris Connor of the Bird Rights and SB Nation, you can go check that out. Just a quick 10-minute, 11-minute episode where I got to throw in our conversation, on a, a, a piece of our extended conversation on Frank Jackson. So some really good stuff there, some really good thoughts from Chris, and we got to elaborate even more on, on some stuff that we've talked about before. It was just a snippet of what was about an hour-long conversation between Chris and I about the Pelicans last week. Probably, not probably, definitely best episode Yet, Chris has been a longtime Pelicans fan. He's been writing with the Bird Rights for about three years now. So definitely a podcast you do not want to miss. Once you're done with this one, you can jump right down and check it out. You will not regret it. If you're a Pelicans fan, basketball fan, just some really good stuff from Chris Connor on last week's guest episode of Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. We got to talk about a lot of stuff. Alvin Gentry and some Pelicans history as well. And for today's show, we're going to be talking a little bit more about some Pelicans history. I wanted to go back in time in New Orleans, not only appreciate some former Pels, some former Hornets legends for what they were, but think a little bit about how they could contribute to this year's team, 2019-2020. This team clearly has some different needs. While the the Pels were really on the up and up after the the new year started and and even starting in December really there's still clearly needs every team in the NBA has needs whether it's the the Pelicans the Lakers the Celtics the the Bucks whoever every every team has needs and every team can go back in their history and handpick guys that could contribute in today's game whether they played in in the 70s in the 80s 90s 60s maybe that that might be a hard sell but um, you can go back into any team's history and handpick guys that can contribute in today's game so the question got put out to you the listener on on my personal twitter page and i asked you to contribute your thoughts if you could have one player from past teams uh in new orleans join this 2019 2020 squad who would it be? And as our guy, who's really well known as a Pelicans fan, Pootie Wayne or or Justin pointed out, it was just guys who are no longer in the league. And we'll delve in a little bit to some guys who are still currently in the league that are former Pelicans, former Hornets that could join this team that are probably going to be a little bit older, but were once part of the New Orleans franchise. So it, it's going to be fun. We're going to go way back, and we're going to talk about now. It this is. I'm very excited for this episode. I get excited every time I start this podcast, but this one's different. And I tell you what, Pels fans, y'all turned out in droves on Twitter for this one. Really, really appreciate it. So you're going to be getting the credit that you deserve for throwing in your thoughts, your opinions on Twitter. And I love hearing from you. So like I said, we're going to give you that credit. So let's dive in. To start off, these are my thoughts, and, and I'll throw I'll throw those in who agreed with me, and then and then we'll get into some of your specific thoughts. So first of all, number one former Pelican slash Hornet that I thought of is David West. I I was considering putting this together. I'm also planning on writing an article on this one, but David West is the guy that I thought of immediately when it came to guys who are no longer 
in the league that would really, really contribute to this year's Pelicans team. And question, why? Fair question. The dude's position, center slash power forward, kind of depended on if Tyson Chandler was on the floor or not. Leadership. The guy was basically a veteran from when he came out the womb. I mean, look at the guy. He's bald. He's got a soul patch. That man's played in the NBA since since conception. And you throw in defense. Scoring down low opposite for Zion. David West basically fills literally every single need that the Pelicans have. Sure, the Pelicans have three centers on the roster. Jackson Hayes, Derek Favors, Julio Okafor. But we know we never really know what we're going to get from Julio Okafor. Jackson Hayes isn't seasoned. Derek Favors only puts in 24 minutes a game. You throw in David West to that lineup, and this, this roster fills an immediate need. And West is... He's just, he's the classic veteran who doesn't make a lot of noise, who's just there to lead, contribute, put in 20 points and 10 boards, and then come back the next night and do the same thing. David West is the guy. He's one of those classic 2007, 2008 guys that you really wish could have gotten a title with the in New Orleans. Obviously, we want the Pelicans or the Hornets or the Saints or uh, whoever, I mean, LSU obviously just won a title, but you want a team to win a title every single year. But that's one of those teams where it's just like, damn, we almost had it. And I, I've talked about this. Uh, I talked about it last week as well. And you can check out that podcast. Um, thinking about uh, teams that are or seasons or moments that deserve a documentary in the history of the New Orleans Pelicans. But let's look a little deeper into David West. Between his breakout year of 2005 to the 2010-2011 season, which was his last season in New Orleans, if he didn't average 20 points per game, it was just under. Averaged just under a block per game, which is perfect for rim protection. He averaged between 7 and 9 points, or excuse me, boards per game and shot close to 50% from the field basically every one of those six years that he was really playing good basketball for the Hornets at the time, what are now the Pelicans. So David West is really that dude when it comes to what role can this guy, can, can a former Pelican or a former Hornet fill if he were to return to this Pelicans roster? And and for those of you who agreed with me, KM slash at born S-I-I-N-N-E-R-13. Got to make that right so people can check out your page, bro. KM slash Born Center agreed with me and said, with this 2019-2020 roster, the Pelicans would strive with a 2007-2008 David West at center. While moving up from a power forward could be a bit of a task. He would fit perfectly with point guard ball, shooting guard holiday, small forward Ingram, and power forward Williamson. Averaged 20 points, 1.3 blocks, 2.3 assists, and 48% from the field. And I agree with every single point that you just made, KM. Obviously, <laughs> I said that in my little summary of why I believe West would be a great fit with this year's 2019-2020 Pelicans team. But, um, man, this is our guy. This is the guy that would fit. He's got a decent mid-range shot, can, can spread the floor a little bit, but this... Uh, this guy would be perfect for what the Pels need down low and in terms of leadership. Second guy that came to mind for me and is a guy that if you have listened to this podcast, if you listen to last week's podcast, you know I love this guy. This is one of my favorite Pelicans of all time. It's Peja, Mr. Peja Stoyakovic. He came to the Pels at the age of 29, a ripe old 29. And this guy was a shooter. <laughs> He's essentially the the uh, same thing as David West, a shooter once he came out the womb. And that's what would be perfect for this Pels team. While the Pelicans are third in three-pointers made this season, a team can never get enough of that three-point shooting. And with shooting from JJ, BI, Nicola Melli, and Lonzo, especially Lonzo picking up big time, it's not so much of a need now 
But Peja being a specialist there would help spread the floor big time. And I feel like I say it just about every episode, but guys who can spread the floor add so much value to a team that has a guy like New or- that like uh, Zion Williamson on it. A guy who bullies grown men in his 6'6", 280. Throwing in another shooter certainly does the opposite of hurt. Peja Stojakovic being one of, at, at one point in time, arguably one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time and another guy who's ju- who just does his job night in and night out he's a seasoned uh, a veteran a guy who was on a lot of those really really good Sacramento Kings teams and then also came in to New Orleans and and contributed some really really good minutes when he was here I believe it was like three or four years that he was with the Hornets played on uh some some Mavericks teams or a Maverick team there I don't know if he was on the team when they won the won the title, but Peja being a guy who is a calm presence, not necessarily a vocal guy, not necessarily a guy who's going to step in and be your captain, but a guy who show can show the young guys how to do it. And this is a team that has a plethora of young guys, to say the least. And one of our listeners, one of our Pelicans fans out there, Latoya slash at under UNEVA. K-N-O, you never know. I, I don't know what you're going there for there, Latoya. But uh, she said, Peja Stoyakovich to spread the floor with shooting, even though he never was healthy for a full season, which fair, with the Hornets slash Pelicans. And let's see how many games that Peja did play for the Pelicans at most when he was in New Orleans. He did play at most 62 games in his tenure with New Orleans, was a little bit injury prone, excuse me, played 77 in 2007-2008 and put up 16.4 points per game. In his first year with what was the Oklahoma City Hornets, which was 2006-2007, put up 17.8 points, which was his high, while with the with the Hornets slash Pelicans franchise, um, did only play 13 games that year, but in his season in 2007-2008, when the Pels really uh, were playing probably the best basketball in in team history, um, that team that went 56 and 26, he averaged 16.4 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, also shot 93% from the free throw line, and put up 40 and 44% from three, which is incredible it made an average of three three pointers per game so Peja a guy who did that in about 35 minutes a night and would absolutely contribute to this year's Pelicans team honestly (laughs) you if you listen to last week's episode that I did on my own um the way I feel about Peja Stojakovic being one of my favorite Pelicans of all time. I'm not going to say the movie quote, nor am I going to put it in. And I try to make some movie references and stuff like that from time to time. If you're an avid listener, you know that. But I'm not going to say the quote. But the way I feel about Peja Stojakovic is how Ricky Bobby feels <laughs> about Big Red in uh, in uh, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. You can look that scene up yourself. I'm, I'm not going to say that one here on the podcast. But to move on, some, some lesser-known guys really in Pelicans or Hornets lore, if you will, are, are not necessarily the guys that one would think of right off the bat to add to a list such as this, but if you're trying not to add big names, if you're trying to really fit the needs of this 2019-2020 team and not just throw in a star, um, and, and we'll address that too coming up here, a guy that really would fill in and play his role here with this year's team is Jamal McGlure, a guy who was with the the Hornets around the 2003-2004 seasons. I believe he was in New Orleans for three years. He's a thicker, more physical guy for this year's team. He, he would play the four, ran the floor really well, got boards, played defense to the tune of averaging over a block a game in his three years with the Hornets. Played all 82 games in two of his three seasons with the Hornets as well. So a durable guy. In his third year, he did get hurt. I believe he only played 23 games, but... 
all 82 is nothing to bat one's eye at, even in that 2003-2004 era before game management, but or load management, excuse me. In his three years with New Orleans were the only years he actually averaged in double figures in points, just over 10 points a game typically. But in 2003-2004, his best year with the Pelicans, he averaged a double-double, 13.6 points and 10.3 rebounds per game. Jamal McGlure, a guy who would be an energy type of, of player for, for this year's Pelicans team, a guy that could... I think we all know that the Pels go through stretches where the ball isn't moving, where it can seem kind of stagnant, especially the offense can seem kind of stagnant. That's what happens when this this young team tends to get big leads and then kind of fall off the face of the earth in terms of remaining consistent. But I think a guy like Jamal McGlure would come in and be a, a hype guy, um, a guy who keeps the energy up even when the Pels are up by 20 points, a guy who makes sure the, the foot isn't let off the gas. Um, McGlure is 6'11", 260 pounds, and lean. Not not thick, lean. A guy who can run the floor, a guy who would contribute night in and night out. I, I think the 13.6, 10.3 rebounds, 13.6 points, 10.3 rebounds in that 2003-2004 season, which was clearly McGlure's best season of his career, you look at minutes 33.9 minutes per game shot 47 percent from the field which isn't his best but he was getting a lot of minutes at that point in time averaging that third those those points and those rebounds uh and then of course shooting 75 percent from the free throw line which was clear in a way he had those three seasons with the pels those were by far his best free throw shooting years in the NBA, a guy who could bring a lot of value at that power forward position slash center position opposite Zion. And now another one of those guys who's not as super well known, but a classic Pelican, a classic for a, a guy who probably wouldn't contribute a lot if you added him, if you had him on a 2K team, but a guy who's a classic four in that in that 2000s sense before everybody became shooters. PJ Brown was the guy. He's, he's to follow along with the theme of this week's episode of The Last Dance. PJ Brown is historically the Hornets version of Dennis Rodman, a dirty work kind of guy, a get the boards kind of guy, a play defense kind of guy. He played in 75 plus games every year with the Hornets while he was in New Orleans. Uh, a man who contributed in night in and night out. Like McGlure, didn't necessarily have the best years of his career with New Orleans, but was the most consistent while with the Hornets. He was also with the Hornets when they were in Charlotte. So when they made that transition to New Orleans. Again, a 6'11", not quite not quite the uh, size of Jamal McGlure, but 6'11", 225. P.J. Brown, a, a guy who, like I said, did a lot of the dirty work. Averaged those, he's a 10 and 10 guy. He didn't quite average that double-double, but never actually averaged in double figures in rebounds in his career, but close to 9 each year that he was with the Hornets in terms of rebounds, again, average or putting in 75 plus games every single year, a dirty work, 33 minutes, tenacious, just getting after it every single night kind of guy. And while Zion has that reputation in a way, it's different. It's different. It's not PJ Brown is not the scoring version of that. He's not the bully ball version of that. He's just I'm gonna punch you in the mouth whether you like it or not version of of energy type of basketball. That that's what Dennis Rodman embodied in his career in the NBA. And and that's what PJ Brown was. He was a he was a Dennis Rodman light, if you will. A guy who filled his role and filled it well well with the hornets to switch it up a little bit here and and not go too far 
back into the Pelicans slash Hornets history like we've been doing. Ryan Anderson. Well, I know he is not technically out of the league. He is a free agent. He's pretty much out of the league. Played in two games this year and was cut by the Houston Rockets. I don't think anybody really wants to pay the guy. That's the thing. In his tenure with the Pels slash Hornets, he was he was with them when they made that transition of mascot. He's a great, great pick-and-pop guy. All you got to do is go on YouTube, type in Ryan Anderson Hornets or Ryan Anderson Pelicans, and you'll see it pretty much three or four minutes straight on whatever highlight film that you do find. With Lonzo, that would be perfect. Zoe is already great in the Alvin Gentry system, but throw in a guy who's going to be that excellent at the pick and pop kind of thing at the three-point line, and you're just going to jack up the amount of threes that the Pels make. And it's already a lot. I already said that. They're third in the league in three-pointers made, but you throw in Ryan Anderson and the way he was playing with this team when he was in New Orleans, that's an excellent fit. I mean, in 2013-2014, the guy was averaging 19.8 points per game. Granted, he only played 22 games, but still. I mean, in 2015-2016, he jumped up to 17 points per game, so so it's pretty valid. He also got decent boards between 5 and 6 a game, shot 85% from the line. All good stuff, all things that the Pelicans can use. A veteran guy, a guy who is not afraid to launch it. I, I mean... I've said it before. The, this Pelicans roster can, in when the when the offense gets stagnant, when the ball's not moving, it just results in chuck like chucking shots. And and it and, you know that's not ideal. I don't think Anderson's a guy who's a a shot creator. But that pick and pop, sure, defense can be played on it, obviously. But that's just another way to create a shot. And Lonzo Ball is going to find a way to create a shot especially if if you throw another facet into the game like that. Whereas J.J. Reddick's a guy who will come off a screen and catch and shoot. Anderson's a guy that's going to do that in a very different way. And I think Melly is capable of that and does it from time to time, but Anderson just adds another dimension in that. He gets boards. He's a little bit thicker. He's not he's not quick, but he's a little bit thicker. Play, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Anderson is certainly not known for his defense, but uh, being – a little bit thicker, he can he can contribute on that side of the ball a little bit as well. I'm not saying he's going to be a game changer by any means, but Anderson being a a, a bigger guy, he's not gonna he's not gonna be a pansy, I guess, <laughs> on the defensive end of the floor. Now those are those are five guys. In looking at this holistically and in, in factoring in everything, those are the guys that I thought would fit best into today's into today's roster. Ryan Anderson, P.J. Brown, Jamal McGlure, uh, uh, Peja Stoyakovich, and David West. And this was after full evaluation, putting the entirety of today's show together. This is what I came up with. And you'll understand why once, once all of the information is fed to you. But another guy that, another couple guys that were mentioned on Twitter, and one that was kind of trending among everyone on this post was the idea of Nikola Miritich. Once again, coming from Pootie Wayne slash, I love that man, Pootie Wayne slash Justin threw that idea at us. And then Jason in Nola North slash at JL Tun Me let us know that Nikola Miritich is a guy that they would like to see on this current Pelicans team and honestly I'm pretty upset with myself for not thinking of that this guy was on the team a year a year ago two years ago what yeah um but I'm pretty upset for not thinking of this in his tenure with the Pelicans Miritich may have been one of the most underrated players in the league and I you could say that for him being with the Bulls and, and other teams but Miritich did just about everything. He can shoot, play defense, get boards, shoot the three. And, and, and I mean, Justin slash Pootie Wayne said it. We Pels fans love ourselves, Nikola Melli, but Miritich would be a damn near perfect fit for this year's 2019-2020 NBA New Orleans Pelicans. I would love to see that. 
and maybe he touches the ball too much. You know, I don't think he's a guy who demands touches. He played opposite of Anthony Davis, for God's sake. And, and Miritich also came in after uh, and played more frequently after DeMarcus Cousins got hurt that season. But I think Miritich, if he's able to find a role in... It's tough because there's so much scoring as opposed to what it used to be with the Pelicans. When it was Drew, Miritich, and Anthony Davis, that's where a majority of the scoring came from. But now, on this roster that has Zion, JJ, Brandon Ingram, Drew, Lonzo, there's it's just a lot of places scoring is coming from. And while Miritich doesn't need to contribute night in, night in, night in and night out. That's something that I guess could change my mind is the fact that any given night, the guy could go off for 30 opposite of Anthony Davis or without Anthony Davis in the game. So considering the amount of, there hasn't been a ton of injuries, but early on, he would have been much more of a factor than he, what he is, what he would be now with Zion back in the lineup. But then again, if if Derek Favors were to get hurt, he could start opposite of Zion. Or if Zion needs some load management, Miritich can step in, fill a role. He's not going to be Zion. He's not going to be Derek Favors, but he can fill a role. He's versatile. I'm convincing myself that this is a really good idea. <laughs> and again, he I mean, he put up 14.6 points per game and 8.2 boards. So it's not like he was averaging 20 points a game. That that's the thing, and I, I said that I liked David West, and he was a guy who did average that type of point, those type of points. It's just about whether or not the this these players can fill the role, and and, and filling the role is why I picked guys like Jamal McGlure and, and PJ Brown, because that's the role they filled on teams that didn't have as much scoring as this year's Pelicans team does. So it, it's just easy to fill that role with guys who are already doing that. Whereas Miritich was just more of a contributor on the offensive side of the ball, offensive side of the ball, unlike Brown, unlike McGlure. So when it comes to fit, that's the issue. I love Miritich. I, I firmly believe he should be in the NBA. I firmly believe he's. I love playing with him on two K. I think it's one of those things where. If you were to play a randoms tournament, a randoms game with somebody where you have to hit the triggers, you know, three times and then you pick from three teams or, or what have you, and you land on, let's say it was the 2K18 or 2K19, it would have been, and you get the Pels, and chances are you're like, shit, this team didn't make the playoffs, I don't know what I'm going to do with them, and you end up going off with Miritich. That, that is that is the situation that you could see happening, and and that I could personally see happening, and that Miritich can provide. I'm I'm sincerely curious to see if <laughs> the Pels could get him to come back from overseas and, and maybe sign him, which would be super interesting. That is something that I would love to see. Whether or not it fits, that's that's the question. That is the ultimate question, but it would be incredibly intriguing. And I'm a little surprised that we only heard Baron Davis once in in this Twitter interaction with you, the Pelicans fans. It's from Saints and Pels slash SG Man31, one of those guys who's part of NFL and NBA Twitter. So I appreciate your input there, SG Man31. But he said He said Baron Davis. And but I, I didn't see this initially. It must have just gone past my my com or my uh, replies in my notifications for whatever reason. I didn't see it until just recording this podcast. And prior to knowing that he had said that, I was a little shocked that nobody had mentioned Baron Davis, considering obviously the incredible talent that he was, and and he, he was kind of a journeyman in his time in the league but but like but not anyway he was with the charlotte hornets and then new orleans hornets in that transition and i was a like i said i was a little surprised i thought that nobody had mentioned him but at the same time i'm a little surprised that somebody did mention him baron davis is probably like a top 
40 top 50 nba player of all time that might be a stretch interpret it as you will but he wasn't a guy who made my list and i'll tell you why davis is was davis is davis was a ball dominant scorer and that is not a piece that this team needs in the slightest. This Pelicans team can go for 120 night in and night out, night out. But when they lose, it's because they allow 125. Chris and I talked about this last week, about the need for defense, about the fact that the Pels were dead last in the league in defense in the first probably like half of the season and now they're 18th. So clearly that's a huge jump. They're so much better than what they were. And with perimeter defenders like Drew, defenders like Lonzo, rim protectors like Derek Favors when he's healthy and when he's on the floor, one would expect that it would at least be around, you know, average 15. But they are 18th. And they clearly, with that ascension from 30th, are better than what they were. But Baron Davis isn't going to help that. Baron Davis was a scorer, scorer through and through. A guy who you could lean on when you needed a shot. And sure, he could fill a role like that. Like I've said, I've said it two times now, but in filling that void when the offense gets stagnant. But a ball-dominant I mean, he's a point guard, shooting guard, I guess. Is not is not a need in the slightest for this year's Pelicans team. You can have all the talent you want in the world, but if the guys don't mesh, then you're not going to win games. And I love Baron Davis. I love, love Baron Davis. But Saints and Pels slash SG Man 31, I disagree with you, man. I disagree with you here. In his time with the Hornets, specifically in 03-04, Davis averaged 22.9 points per game, 2.4 steals, 7.5 assists, and 4.3 rebounds. And, and Davis's argument for me for being that high on, on the list of one of the best one of the 50-ish best players of all time is the consistency. He's averaging close to 20 points a game just about every single year of his career. And to look at that 2003-2004 team a little bit more in depth as to how Barris contrib- excuse me, Baron Davis contributed, the Pels or excuse me, the Hornets only went 41 and 41. And yeah, there wasn't much talent besides Davis on this roster. You can look at McGlore, who I mentioned before. You can look at PJ Brown, who I mentioned before. David West was on that team. I believe that was before. Yeah, that was before he really started to contribute. David Wesley, one of the big names in Hornets history, kind of. <laughs> and then Jamal Mashburn, another guy who scored who could score a lot of points, but not a guy who I would want on this on this Pelicans team. So, believe what you will. If you disagree, hit it up on Twitter. I want to hear why. Let me know why. If you think he can fit in, and it's the same for for all of these guys. If you disagree with anything I'm saying, I want to know why. And we could talk about it in further episodes. Maybe you could record yourself, send it my way, and let me know why. I'd be really interested in that. We'll talk about that going forward, Pels fans. Anywho, a couple more names that we have to address in the history of the Hornets slash Pelicans. And this is kind of where it can get into a gray area, wishy-washy, weird kind of thing. A couple of guys I want to count, but it is that gray area because of Charlotte. In Hornets and Pelicans history, I think a lot of people honestly don't know the fact that the Hornets originally were in Charlotte and then moved to New Orleans. And that's why New Orleans were the Hornets for a little while. And now they're the Pelicans because 
Charlotte then became the Bob- Bobcats when they got a new NBA team, and now they're the Hornets again. So it's just difficult to say which team is the like if this if these guys are the history of the Pelicans or were the current Hornets because they were the Hornets. It's all confusing, but there are a multiple multitude of guys in Pelicans slash Hornets history, and I guess it's Hornets history from that Charlotte era, the the late '80s into the '90s before the move to New Orleans that were pretty damn good. Larry Johnson, a guy who was a big part of that era. Not a guy who I want on this team. Another guy who had the ball in his hands a lot. But one was suggested suggested to us, I believe, in the New Orleans Pelicans from my, from my former track coach, at the University of Northern Iowa. For those of you who didn't know, I ran track at UNI my, my freshman year. But uh, Dave Paulson, appreciate you uh, contributing, Coach. Haven't heard from you in a while. But he said Alonzo Mourning. Now, now, Coach Paulson, I don't know how invested you are in the current Pelicans roster, but this is another really talented guy. And I don't know if you're just like trying to throw back because you were able to watch him. And Mourning was fantastic, but... Morning, a guy who was a monster on the glass, one of the top fifteen big men all time, I would say, and I, and he averaged twenty one points, three blocks, and ten boards while with the Hornets, which is, I mean, in, in his first three years in his career, that is insane. That's a lot to add to a roster. Those ten boards and three blocks are extremely valuable. Would be extremely valuable on this this year's Pelicans team. The guy ran the floor. This is when he was young. And if when when he was young, you could mold him into what you need. I think it would be fun. Again, fit, questionable. Hornets history, <laughs> questionable. But would be interesting. Another former Charlotte Hornet that would fit really well in this year's 2019-2020 Pelicans roster is Del Curry. One of the longest tenured Hornets, actually. He was in Charlotte for about 10 years. Specialty three-point shooter, a guy who put up 15 points a game every single year, and just a stupid good shooter. Steph Curry's dad, you know, if you're... If you uh, created that, I'm sure that you were a good shooter in your day. Go back and look at Del Curry. He's one of the OG three-point specialists was Del Curry. Uh, and he would be great, perfect for this year's Pelicans team to, to add more shooting. He'd be another another JJ. A little more athletic. Probably not as good off the, off the, uh, off the screen as JJ, but another incredible shooter. And who can complain about that? Nobody, I tell you. Now, we had some discussion under this tweet today about current players that are still in the NBA that used to be Pelicans or used to be Hornets that would be able to contribute. So for guys still in the league, technically Tyson Chandler a lot of people said Tyson for for guys who they would want on this year's team as far as who used to be in the NBA. But, sorry, Saints Truth 44, who also said Peja. Tyson is still technically in the NBA. Sorry, Dotson, just Dotson, a guy who's contributed to uh, the podcast before. We appreciate you, Dotson. Um, said Tyson as well. Sorry, man. He's still technically in the NBA. Uh, I gave you all your retweets because he said that, but technically still in the league. If you didn't know, he's 37 and still kicking with the Rockets. Did only play in 26 games. Or, yeah, it's 26 games and averaged about eight minutes a game this year. So that's fair. I, I understand what you're saying. But uh, in his years with the Pelicans, Tyson, that man was a freak of nature coming out of high school. And that's what he brought to the Pelicans slash the Hornets when he was healthy. Um, this guy would be, and I, I mentioned David West as a guy who would be perfect, but Tyson Chandler would be damn perfect. I think Chandler, 
I want to say Jackson Hayes can turn into a player like that, but Chandler was like stupid athletic, incredible at rim protection, and was another guy who just appeared to be like a veteran when he when he was young. Granted, he was I think he was twenty five when he was with the the Hornets, and he came right out of high school, so basically a veteran at that point. But I mean, twenty five is pretty young, and. The guy was filling his role, doing what he needed to do. Almost traded away at the beginning of that year. If you listen to last week's podcast, you know that. But actually almost traded away at the beginning of 2007, 2008. Ownership tried to really tear apart what the Pelicans had that year. And ultimately, he ended up sticking around because he failed a physical uh, injury to his toe. But I think Tyson would be damn near perfect for this year's roster. I would love to see that. And another guy that I think would be interesting, thanks again to to Justin for, for suggesting this, but he said that CP3, he'd like to see Chris Paul on this roster. And I I found that to be captivating. <laughs> I think that's the best word to say because Lonzo has had just an incredible year. Like, we are seeing prime Lonzo. This is the best Lonzo we've seen, and it's not close. Lonzo is emerging as what could be one of the top point guards in the NBA. He's perfect for Alvin Gentry's system. He's shooting the three ball way better than he ever has. Him paired with Zion is just freaking phenomenal basketball. But... Would... Would I say no to having Chris Paul on the team? That is the question. And I don't know. I don't know. Chris Paul is one of the greatest point guards to ever do it. My friend and I, who I've talked basketball with since I was little... He and I have always said that Chris Paul is the greatest true point guard in the league and has been probably for the last 15 years. Plays defense. Great shooter. Not necessarily the easiest guy to get along with, and I think that would be an interesting dynamic with this year's team. But granted, he's playing great basketball in Oklahoma City with a decent amount of young guys. They're play. They're a playoff team. Can't say that about the Pelicans. I don't know, folks. I I think, and Justin said it was an obvious choice, and I don't I don't know that I agree with that. It's a it's a it's a chin scratcher, like as I am literally doing that right now. It's I want part of me wants to say no that I don't want that because Alonzo is just playing incredible basketball right now. But how do you say no? How do you say no to that? I don't think I can. Do you want Lonzo coming off the bench in that situation? Do you want Chris Paul coming off the bench in that situation? I don't think he would handle that well. Who do you keep around? Because you're not keeping both. Assuming Chris Paul wants to continue to play for a couple years. If they were to be able to acquire him, let's say let's say they can acquire him via trade or, or free agency... Who do they trade away? And given that contract, I don't want that on the Pelicans roster. Obviously, he's not going to get that amount of money post the end of the contract. But it'd be interesting to see if he wants to return to New Orleans after this contract is done. And if he gets to a point where he doesn't feel like he can contribute like he is now. If he feels like his body's broken down and he just wants to play backup ball, which that doesn't sound like Chris Paul at all to me. But if that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother podcast. <laughs> this is an interesting conversation. And I, this will be something, a conversation that I have with other other Pelicans guests in the future, which I have an announcement coming up at the end that you don't want to miss. To further along, guys who are currently in the NBA that could really contribute to this year's team, Eric Gordon. Why would you never? Why would you not say Eric Gordon? I'm pretty sure I saw Shamit Dua, I think is his name, a guy who writes for the Bourbon Street uh, 
shots or something like that. I don't know. Said something about if you could add a piece of someone's game to to Zion's play, it would be somebody else's handles. I can't remember who, but Eric or Eric Gordon shooting. And that's a whole nother debate for, for another, again, another podcast. But um, I think, and, and that made me think of Eric Gordon adding him to this, to this, to this list is it again. I mean, I keep making reference into shooting, but I mean, I threw in Buddy Heald here too. And I think Buddy Heald is becoming more of an on ball, like an on ball guy or, or ball handling guy in Sacramento because they just, I mean, Darren Fox is the guy. Yeah. These are both off ball guys that don't need to dominate it with Lonzo on the floor and can get open, can shoot, spread the floor, fill it up. Um, and they would not hurt having him on this roster. Granted, Buddy Heald also wanted to get paid. Eric Gordon, I think he's making pretty good money in Houston. I'm pretty sure he's still in Houston now. I haven't heard a lot about him just because I honestly can't stand the Rockets, especially with James Harden. But you got to add shooting if you can. And I would not be opposed to adding Eric Gordon or Buddy Heald to this current roster. And here's last the last one that I, I have. And, and I'm going to throw in another comment in a second. But... Trevor Ariza, I think, would be excellent to add to this team. Granted, when we had Gerald Borgay on a few weeks ago, he said that Ariza was, when he was added to the roster in in Phoenix, it was clear that he did not want to be a leader for a young team. And with JJ and with Derek Favors and Etwan Moore, you don't necessarily need, you wouldn't need Trevor Ariza to step in and be a leader. You wouldn't. But there are also young guys on this team. I think Trevor Ariza in his time, the way he played with the Pelicans, the way, or excuse me, the way he played with the Hornets, the way he played with the Lakers, that Trevor Ariza, who was just a little bit more quiet, not quite as, didn't quite have the same attitude that he does now, as far as I know, I, I, I as far as I recall, I think his length, I think he would add more depth defense. He's a decent shooter. I think Trevor Ariza would be an incredible addition to this year's team. He's a he's a three four can guard the two kind of guy. He would get bullied by LeBron, and I mean the Pels have had we've had Drew guarding LeBron <laughs> this this year, which obviously doesn't work. So anybody's gonna get bullied, but Trevor would be much better at defending LeBron in terms of length as opposed to what Drew did this season. He's 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 same body as Brandon Ingram more or less, maybe a little bit thicker, but more of a defensive specialist as opposed to Ingram can guard an opposite team's three. Uh, he's that wing defender that this team needs, but he can also score. I think Trevor Ariza would be a really good fit on this year's Pelicans team. I think I think that guy, of all of these uh, uh, players, where they currently, their current performance, maybe not when they were with the Pelicans, but as far as their current performance, I think Trevor Ariza fits a need and a role that the Pelicans need the most as far as a wing defender because they have Drew, they have Lonzo guarding the perimeter for for the smaller guards, and of course they got Derek Favors down low, and and Ingram can do enough at the wing in terms of defense, but he's also the more or less the primary scorer, you know, when you factor in Zion, Drew can be that guy uh, occasionally, or not occasionally, whenever whenever it need it's needed but i think that's that's a big role that ariza can fill and i think he would do a damn good job at it whether or not attitude he wants to be there all of that just for surface value attributes uh, what he could bring to the team in terms of his basketball play i think it would fit in well and i'm going to throw in another player here and i would like to know what you the, the listener think on this one as well I thought this, and then I kind of backtrack, and I was, eh, I don't, no, I don't want this guy. I'd like to know if you think that it would be good to have him on the team, because, because I don't. He's a talented guy, but I don't want him on this roster, and that man is Julius Randle. He was on this team fairly recently. He just needs the ball too much in the post. With the way the Pelicans are structured, I think it's unnecessary. I think it's an inefficient basketball to do that. He'd probably get Jaleel Okafor-type minutes. He's better than Jaleel Okafor. It's just it's just what I said. It's unnecessary, inefficient ball, and I don't think he would 
address his pride enough to take a step back. I think what <laughs> the most value he would provide to this year's team is a trade asset, honestly. I, I don't think that he is a guy that would contribute good quality minutes for this year's Pelicans team. Again, if you disagree with that, if you disagree or agree with anything that I said on today's podcast, hit me up on Twitter. Respond to this tweet. I'm going to put this out uh, on, on Apple Podcasts, everything, on Spotify, Google Play, etc. But you can find it. I'll tweet out the link. If you listen to it, you find something that you don't like, that you disagree with, respond. Say so. I, I don't just need positive feedback on Twitter. Roast me. I don't give a frick. Go for it. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear why you agree, why you disagree. But that has been today's episode of Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Go follow me on Twitter so you can interact with all of these other Pels fans as well. We had some interaction between fans, some basketball fans all together, not just me on that tweet. So plenty of really good stuff. You can meet other people. You can gain followers. I want to have you interact with this podcast as much as possible. That makes these podcasts fun. And I love, love hearing from you. And that handle is at Elliot Clough. If you open up your phone right now, it'll say it right there on the screen. It's E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O-U-G-H. And of course, like I said, you can just at me, respond to a tweet, or you can hashtag what the Pell is up. Just that little intro that I use at the top of the podcast. While you're here, if you are on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a rate and a review. Do it! The more you do that, the better guests, the better quality content we're going to be getting you. If you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Google Play, Stitcher, Wherever you're at, just follow, subscribe, however you can continue to listen to this podcast. Go follow Believe, the podcast network that supports this podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You're going to be getting reminders of this podcast there as well. And you can check out a plethora of their other podcasts on Believe.com or just head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And you can check out Pelican's coverage on Fansided's Hoops Habit website. Just click west and scroll down to New Orleans Pelicans. You're going to find some more Pelicans coverage there. Do not miss the opportunity to engage with this podcast on Twitter. It's at Elliot Clough, or of course, you can hashtag what the Pell is up. That announcement, I'm going to hold off for a second. Come back next week. Come back next week. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it when it's official. I'll let y'all know when it is official. It'll also be tweeted. I'm very excited to share this news. I'm very excited to to have you be a part of even more Pelicans coverage. So, I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.